Hallelujah. Let's go to our scripture. Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12 onwards. Hebrews 5, verse 12 says, For when for the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. For every one that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongs to them that are of full age, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Therefore, leaving, chapter 6, verse 1, Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works, of <clears throat> faith towards God, of doctrine, of baptism, of laying on of hands, of resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. And this will we do if God permit. Hallelujah. So we've been looking at this scripture and we've understood that according to Hebrews 5 verse 12 it says this is called the, uh, the ABCDs, the original letters of the alphabet of God's word or the original ABCDs of God's word. And chapter 6 verse 1 says these are the original teachings of Christ. What Jesus taught when he was on the earth. This is the, the original discipleship program that Jesus himself started. This is what he taught his disciples and this is what he asked his disciples to go and teach. And today we, being a disciple of Christ, we are first disciplining ourselves to learn this. And he said, everybody is supposed to be a teacher of these. We don't need too many per people. We just need one person to start teaching. One thing, there is one thing about hearing and learning, but there is something else about Teaching, when you're giving out what you what you got, even if it's a little thing, when you give it out, there is a multiplication happening. There is an increase happening. Suddenly you will realize, oh, I did not know this was there. I did not know I could do this. That's the, that's the thing about God. He said, it's not what we always receive. More, it, Bible says it's 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 a blessing to give than to receive. It's a blessing to give than to receive. Because when you, it's only when you are giving, you are, you, are, you are allowing God to just come and multiply what you, what you thought you had. Because the first time when we started, we just had one sheet of paper to teach all these uh, foundational doctrines. That one sheet of paper, we studied it, we read it, we added to it, and then today we can write books about it. But it started when we studied and then we started teaching. We started teaching. And that's when we saw, oh, there is more here. There is more here. And every time we come back to looking at it, we get more. We always end up getting more. That's how powerful this is. So, I mean, I, I mean every time I look at the scripture, I'm reminded of the vision that God gave me. That you just start with what you have. A small room you build. Maybe you got a few stones. Maybe you have one spade. You just start digging and you start putting that. But as you continue, as you are faithful in it, you will see that the foundations are going deeper and the area is becoming wider. 
the deeper it goes, the higher you can build. And the wider it is, the more massive the structure is. So that's the power of these foundational doctrines. And in 1 Corinthians 3, it says, there is no other foundation that any man can lay. That's 1 Corinthians 3 verse 10. Apart from Jesus Christ or apart from what Jesus Christ himself has laid. He is our sure foundation and the foundation he laid is the thing that we need to get, each one of us. That's why we are doing this. Because if, if we understand this, our foundation will be strong and we will not be shaken. We will not be moved by this and that and everything that happens. No matter what happens, we have seen that those people who have continued in this, their lives have changed. The impact that they have in the body of Christ and in the people is amazing. Because if you are faithful in learning this and start teaching at least one person, God will surely increase you. Increase your sphere of influence. I mean, we, I never thought I would be in full-time ministry. What did, what did I start with? Just one sheet of paper. We would travel 35 kilometers, just riding. She's pregnant. We'll go as far as we can, stand there, just for one person. But God is faithful. When we, when we, sh when we are faithful in little, He will increase us. That's how it happens. Hallelujah. So we've been looking at these. We've seen that there are seven foundational doctrines. Repentance from dead works, faith towards God, of doctrine, of baptism, of laying on of hands, of re resurrection from the dead and eternal judgment. Some Bibles, they show only six, but it's okay. At least if the six are there, it's fine. Hallelujah. So we've done with repentance from dead works, faith towards God, and currently we are in baptisms. We've seen that the word baptism came from the Greek word baptismos, which is originally used for dyeing clothes. You take a white shirt, you put it in a color, you take it out. The end result is the identity of that shirt has changed. It is no more called the white shirt. It is now a new shirt, a blue shirt. The identity has changed. That's the importance. That's, that's the most important thing that we need to understand about baptism. It refers to a change in identity. In the beginning, we were, unsa we, women, we, were, we were Gentiles. Bible calls us Gentiles. There are three kinds of people. Uh, the Jews, the Gentiles, and the body of Christ. Or Jews, Gentiles, and church. There are just three types of people. Jews are the people of the Old Testament. Gentiles were the people without a covenant. And then, finally, when Jesus came, there's one more group of people called the church, which is the body of Christ. So, our it, baptism refers to a change in identity. First, the, we saw that there are three types of baptisms. The one, first one is baptism into the body of Christ by the Holy Spirit. So, when the moment a person receives Jesus as his Lord and Savior, he just says, Jesus, come into my life. The Holy Spirit takes him. And immerses him into the body of Christ. Now his identity has changed. Now he is the body of Christ. He is a brand new creation. His spirit is born again. And now his spirit is part of the body of Christ. The complete body. Bible says we are all. The church is the body of Christ. Every single believer is part of the body of Christ. The Holy Spirit took us. Put, immersed us into this body. Now we are part of that body. We have become a member of that body. Just like every member in our body 
the ones that we can see and that we cannot see, the ones inside, they are all important. If any one of them fails, then the head suffers. Christ is the head, we are the body. Any one part of the body suffers, the head feels it. So we are all important to Christ. Hallelujah. And then the second one was water baptism. We saw that water baptism is a, an outward representation of what happened inside. What happened on the inside? The old man died. When you go under water, it the water represents the grave. The water represents the grave. When we go under water, it represents two things. Number one, it represents Jesus dying for us and going to hell. And it also represents us, the old man, dying with Christ, buried with Christ. And when you come out of water, it represents the, re the resurrection and as ascension of Jesus. And it also represents we being raised up as a new creation in Christ. So that's what happened on the inside. What happened on the inside, we are showing to people on the outside by water baptism. And Jesus said, go and make disciples of nation, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son and the Holy Spirit. So, water baptism is the first step in being a disciple of Jesus. If you've decided, I don't want to just be just a believer, I want to be a disciple of Christ. Because that's what Jesus wanted. He did not simply want a convert. He did not simply want a person to be a believer. He wanted him to be a disciple. So, water baptism is the first step in being a disciple of Christ. So, we understood that this is important. It is important. Jesus said baptism is important. We are not neglecting it. So, water baptism is needed. So, but you don't force anyone. You don't force anyone to take water baptism. Let them grow. Let them learn about this. Let them make a, a mature decision themselves. So, that's what water baptism is. And the third is the baptism in the Holy Spirit. So that's what we were looking at um, in the week before. We, we saw that Jesus said in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, He said, And you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit is come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. He said it. This is Acts chapter 1 before His ascension. When you read from verse 1, it says Jesus stayed for 40 days with the disciples. 40 days in that resurrected form, he stayed with the disciples. And he was teaching them. Bible says, Acts 1, if you read from verse 2, it says with infallible proof, he was showing them. He was teaching them from scripture. For 40 days special crash course by Jesus himself. And what was he teaching on? He was teaching on the kingdom and for that he said, wait, you need power to be a witness of the resurrected Christ. He's, this is Jesus talking after his resurrection. To be a witness that Jesus is alive, you need power. Without power, you are just somebody who is talking. What is the use of power? Because you are now talking about a Jesus whom you did not see. You did not touch. You didn't see him die. You didn't see him getting buried. You didn't see him carry your sin. You didn't see him go to hell. No. No, we know none of us were there. Then how can you be a witness? A witness is a person who has seen something. Who is witnessing. Yes, I have seen. But how can you witness that Jesus is alive? With the power. 
when the power shows up, when the blind eyes open, when the deaf ears hear, when the lame start walking, when the cancers are falling off, the power is being manifested. When that happens, nobody questions. You don't need many words to speak. You just know, they know, this is Jesus who did this. Jesus healed the sick. Jesus made the blind eyes open. Because he is the healer, not us. We are, we are simply obeying him. And we are just going in his power. And what power is this? Ephesians 1, 19 and 20 says, The same power that raised Christ from the dead. See, if it can raise Christ from the dead, can't it give eyes, uh, uh, sight to the blind? If it raised Christ from the dead, can't it make the ears to hear? Can't it make the lame to walk? Because it's the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. And that power is available for us and be a witness of Christ. See, you should understand the, 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 the comparison here. It's the power that raised Jesus from the dead. That power is given to us to be a witness that Jesus is alive. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is now upon us. Why? To tell people that Jesus is raised from the dead. Because if we don't have the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, we cannot witness to people that Jesus is alive. Because we need the same power. And the first evidence of that power coming upon us is in Acts chapter 2, verse, verse 4. It says, And they spoke in other tongues. When the Holy Spirit came upon them as tongues of fire, and they spoke in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So the first evidence that a person is received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and who's received the power is speaking in tongues. Speaking in tongues. That's the first evidence. Uh, and it is a mandatory requirement from Jesus himself. He said it compulsory. Wait, you will receive power. You will receive the promise of my Father. He said it. Without that, don't go and be a witness. But unfortunately, people are going without that power. You become a powerless witness. You are lost. After some times, you run out of words. They ask you four questions. Did you see Jesus? Were you there? Then how can you say he's alive? Don't argue with me. They'll come and say all these things. You just say, let me show you the power. You pray for them. They, be, they get healed. Their pain disappears. You say, today you go. Even if they are not sick, you say, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray that Jesus will touch you. And they will go back. They may not feel anything right now. But when they go back, they'll know something is different. Something happened to me. There was something about them. Something about the words he spoke. When he touched me, there was something. They will know because the power is real. It's the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. They will know it. That's how powerful this is. That's why we need this. And the first evidence of that is speaking in tongues. Let's look at some scripture. In Acts chapter 10, Acts chapter 10, verse, we'll read from 44. 44 says, While Peter yet spoke these words, the Holy Ghost fell on them, which heard the word. And it says, while he was still speaking, these were unbelievers. Just a few minutes back, they were unbelievers. Peter preached the gospel to them about Jesus and they believed. 
And while he was still speaking, the Holy Spirit fell on them. And what is the evidence? Verse, for, verse 46 says, For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. So, that's the evidence. So, by this, it is obvious that you don't need to fast and pray and things to do and wait for season. Many churches, they make it a rule, you have to fast and pray and do all kinds of circus, only then you will receive the baptism. Look at this. Here, they, they are just new believers. Just barely a few minutes after they received Jesus. They did not fast and pray. Immediately, they received the baptism in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. That's how, that's how simple it is. It is just something. On the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was given. Jesus sent the promise of the Father. He said, I will go and I will send. He said it and he is true to his word. And he sent the Holy Spirit. From that day, it is available for everybody. All you need to do is receive. We'll look at some more examples. We'll see in... Um, Acts chapter 18. Sorry, there's I'm sorry, wait, I just missed my notes. Sorry. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. I just closed the wrong notes. Yep. <coughs> oh, my notes got messed up. Okay. Yep. In Acts chapter 8, not 18, verse 14. Acts chapter 8, verse 14 onwards. It says, Now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem, heard that Samaria had received the word of God. They sent Peter and John to them, who when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet he had not fallen upon them, they had, not be, they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid their hand of, hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. See, here also you see, Peter and John went there, he, they talked to them about the Holy Spirit, laid hands on them and they received. They did not have to fast and pray. Nowhere here it is written that uh, they fasted and prayed for days. No, it is very simple. Let's look at another example. Acts chapter 19. Acts chapter 19. Verse 1 onwards. And it came to pass, while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus, and finding a certain disciples, he said unto them, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe? And they said unto him, We have not much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. Look at that. He, he reached Ephesus and he found certain disciples. He asked them, Have you received the Holy Ghost? They said, What Holy Ghost? We have not even heard that there is a Holy Ghost. They did not even know. And then said, Verse 3, 
And he said unto them, Unto what then were you baptized? And they said, John's baptism. And then Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance unto the people, that you should believe on him who should come after him, that is Christ Jesus. Then he is explaining about John's baptism. He said, John was simply preparing the people to receive the Messiah who is coming after him. John's baptism is not the thing that is important. They were actually originally disciples of John, John the Baptist, not believers. So they said, they, were, they knew only about John's baptism. Then Paul is explaining to them, John was simply preparing you for the Messiah who is Christ. And then here, verse 4, um, sorry, verse 5, when they had heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. See, now what happened? Now they baptized them again in the name of the Lord Jesus. And verse 6, And when Paul laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them. They spoke with tongues and prophesied. Look at that. It does not say they fasted and prayed. They did not even heard that there was a Holy Ghost. They didn't know anything. So what did Paul do? He talked to them about Christ, taught them about Christ. See, they knew only about what John said. But now, he, they talked to him about Christ the Messiah. Then they believed and then they baptized them in water. And they laid hands on them. They received the baptism. So any teaching that you hear that says that you have to wait and you have to fast and you have to dress in white and you have to, you have to just cry and beg God, that is all just foolishness. It is very simple. You just have to receive. Here if you see, Paul is asking them, have you received the Holy Ghost? Verse 2. He said, have you received? That means it is something that is already given. But now you just have to receive. God, from God's part, He has already given. But the receiving is our part. How do you receive? You just say, Lord, I receive. I believe this is for me. I receive. You just take a deep breath and open your mouth, believing that God will give you the words. That's all. It's a very, very simple thing. You don't have to struggle. Some people, they become too intellectual. They think, oh, should I say shaka kaka? Should I say shaba baba? What should I say? You don't have to worry about anything. Because in 1 Corinthians 14, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 2, it says, For he who speaks in an unknown tongue speaks not to men but unto God. For no man understands. We don't have to worry what the words are. We don't have to worry if ours is same as what other people are speaking. No, we don't have to. Because to whom are we speaking? We are speaking to God. We are speaking to God. So if somebody asks you what is uh, speaking in tongues, you say number one, we are speaking to God. And verse 14 says, 1 Corinthians 14, 14 says, He who speaks in a tongue, for I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. So who is praying? My spirit. My spirit is praying and speaking to God. And where are the words coming from? Acts chapter 2 verse 4 says, As the spirit gave them utterance. So the definition of speaking in tongues is, My spirit speaking to God with words given by the Holy Spirit. Simple. That's all. And how do you speak in tongues? First of all, you have to receive Jesus. You have to be born again. 
If you are born again, then you qualify. Then what do you do? You just say, Lord, I receive. And you just believe, open your mouth. There are, actually, you don't need anybody to lay hands on you. If you just believe, it is there. But if, you, if, you, if, if there is another believer, you lay hands on him. It is like when your car battery is dead, you connect another battery, you connect a cable to another battery, what happens? It is called jump-starting the battery. The, what happens? The power from the other battery is just connected to this battery and it just starts itself. So, when another believer lays hands, it's, that's what is happening. It is just helping them receive it immediately. That's all. Other than that, you don't need it. You don't need it. You just need it. Even otherwise, you just push the car, it should start. You just have to push yourself, just say, I believe. Lord, I believe. And just take a deep breath, open your mouth, and it will come. Okay. It will come. You just, it might start with just one word. When I start, when I received it, it was just one word. Ta, 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 ta. But I didn't know. I just said, even if it is foolishness, foolishness or nonsense, I'm just going to continue speaking. And I continued. And I, I didn't stop. After some time, the words changed. Started happening, and then we started seeing the manifestation of the power. That's how it starts. But you have to make a decision that you are going to receive it and you are going to speak. It's a personal choice. Nobody can force you, nobody can just uh, uh, put a pressure on you. No, it's a choice. God, our God is a pakka gentleman, He will not force Himself on anybody. There is always a choice. There is always a choice. We are not forcing anybody. So this is for everybody. And here in verse 2 says, He who speaks in an unknown tongue speaks not to men but unto God, for no man understands him. Howbeit in the spirit he speaks mysteries. The question is, what are these mysteries? It says, in the spirit you are speaking mysteries. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 7 says, let's read that. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 7, it says, We speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the wisdom which God ordained before the world for our glory. It says we are speaking a mystery, but what is the mystery? It's the wisdom of God. And what kind of wisdom is it? It's the wisdom that God ordained before the world for our glory. For our glory. Not for His glory. It says, for our glory. Why? How can it be our glory? There is a law in the Bible. It's a spiritual law. You believe in your heart and you speak with your mouth. You will have what you say. Number one, when you are in a, when you are in a problem, when you are in trouble, you may not know what to do. You may not know the answer. We don't know what is going to happen tomorrow. But when you speak in tongues, we know we are speaking the wisdom of God. So we believe. I, I, Lord, I believe I am speaking the wisdom of God about my future, about tomorrow, about my ministry, about my business, about my children. I am speaking the wisdom of God. My head does not understand, but I believe. And you start speaking. So when you believe and you speak, you will have what you say. And what are you saying? The wisdom of God. The wisdom of God. So, supernaturally, we are positioning ourselves to be in the right place at the right time. That's the benefit of this. Supernaturally, we are speaking words, which is the wisdom of God. 
and we are making ourselves or positioning ourselves to be in the right place at the right time and the right things will happen to us. Let's go to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 verse 26 It says, Likewise, the Spirit helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray, as we ought to, but the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings or words which cannot be uttered. See, it says, The Spirit helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for. Many times when we sit to pray, that's the time all kinds of thoughts come, all kinds of distractions come. When you want to pray, when you're praying, what are you doing? You're trying to speak to God. You're trying to communicate to God. That's the time all these thoughts come and bombard us. And the devil knows the words that come out of our mouth are affected by our thoughts. So if he can mess our thoughts, we will not pray the right prayer. Sometimes we will not know what to do. We might be in a situation where we just don't know. Lord, what should I do? Should I go for? Should I go here? Should I say yes or no? Should I accept this deal or not? Should I take this position or not? Should I marry this person or not? There, there are questions that come. You don't know what to do. When you don't know something, you are weak. Lack of information is a weakness. That means you are in a... Uh, in a vulnerable position. If you by mistake you make the wrong choice, you are done. It is going to affect you wrongly. So you are, you are just like, oh, what should I do? You are, you, are, you, are, you are worried. In that place, what happens? Bible says, the Spirit makes intercession for us. The Holy Spirit is interceding for us and says how? By words which cannot be spoken in our understanding. Words which are too much for our natural understanding. Words which are beyond our spoken vernacular. That means any language that we know. That is speaking in tongues. So when you are stuck, when you are in your weakness, what happens? You start speaking in tongues. The Holy Spirit is interceding for you with words, with the wisdom of God. And you are speaking it out. And as you speak it, what is happening? You will be in the right place at the right time. The next verse says, 27, And he that searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit, because he knows the, uh, he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. The question is, does the Holy Spirit know the will of God for you? He knows the will of God. Whose Spirit is the Holy Spirit? God's Spirit. Does he know the will of God for you? Yes, he knows. And where is he today? In us and upon us. And when he knows that we are in a weak position, what is happening? He is interceding for us according to the will of God. He is supernaturally, listen to this, the Holy Spirit is supernaturally making us speak the right words so that we will have the right things. We will be in the right place at the right time. And maybe we might be in a place where God wants us to minister to someone. We might want to pray for some. There might be a sick person who is waiting. So we will supernaturally be in the right place at the right time. And we pray for them. 
and God will heal them. They receive Christ through them. We might not know. They might end up being a missionary. They might end up being a major preacher. We may not know. So that's why we need to pray in tongues. So we'll be in the right place at the right time. We might strike the right business deal. We might meet the right person who will, who will just end up making you a multi-millionaire. We don't know. And then the next verse, verse 28 says, And we know all things work together for good to them that love God. See, that verse is a continuation of 26 and 27. It is only for those people who are speaking in tongues, not for everybody. You go, you have an accident, you're in the hospital. Oh, brother, Bible says all things work together for good. No, 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 no. It's not for such people. This is specifically for people who are praying in tongues, who let the Holy Spirit intercede for them by speaking the wisdom of God in unknown tongues. It's only for those people. That's the benefit of speaking in tongues. Hallelujah. And let's look at one more portion here. Acts chapter 10. We read it before, but there's, one, there's an important thing that we have to see there. Verse 46. It says, For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. It says, They heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. What's the meaning of God? you speak a magnifying, magnifying glass we know you look the words appear bigger the words appear bigger so when you speak in tongues are we making God bigger God is Bible says he is the same yesterday today and forever just because you prayed in tongues you are not increasing the size of God no but what does that mean it means in your situation you are declaring God is bigger God is bigger than your situation. God is bigger than your problem. God is bigger than your confusion. God is bigger than your weakness. Are you understanding this? You I mean whatever you are going through, you are declaring, I don't care, my God is bigger. You're magnifying God. You're magnifying your God above your situation, above the problem, above the weakness, above the condition that you're facing. Whatever it is, when you're speaking in tongues, you're declaring God is bigger. Why? Because now you're using His wisdom. You're speaking out His wisdom. In Proverbs 8, let's look at Proverbs 8. It's talking about wisdom here. Proverbs, it's um, verse 22 says, The Lord possessed me in the beginning of his way, before his works of old. I was set up from everlasting, from the beginning, or ever the earth was. When there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no fountains abounding with water. Before the mountains were settled, before the hills was I brought forth. And yet, while as yet he had not made the earth, nor the fields, nor the highest part of the dust of the world, when he prepared the heavens, I was there. When he set a compass upon the face of the depth, when he established the clouds above, when he strengthened the fountains of the deep, when he gave the sea his decree, the water should not pass. See, it is talking about the wisdom. 
the wisdom the same wisdom that god used before the earth was created the same wisdom that he used when he created the earth the same wisdom that he used when he set everything that's what we are speaking in when we speak in tongues the same wisdom not a different wisdom see if you look at it when we are born again what happens to us we are we have his nature our spirit is exactly like jesus we saw when we studied faith we have his same faith the same faith of jesus we have his nature we have his spirit and romans 5:5 says the same love of god is poured into our heart we have the love of god and here it says we have the same wisdom of god the same wisdom so basically god is saying you operate like me whatever the problem is you you are operating like me when you pray in tongues you are letting me be oper- me operate in that situation how will i deal with that situation that's what is happening when you pray in tongues that's when the right things will happen to you can god be in a wrong place at the wrong time no he is always in the right place at the right time and as his children we are also supposed to be in the right place at the right time can god speak the wrong thing no he only speaks the right thing so as the children of god when we speak in tongues we are speaking the right things this is the wisdom that god ordained first we saw first corinthians 2:7 the wisdom that he ordained before the foundations of the earth for our glory how can we get glory when you're in the right place at the right time you met the right person the right things happen we get the glory and when you get the glory you give him the glory isn't it we say thank you lord i did not even thought in my wildest dreams that these things could happen but you just made me be in the right place at the right time the right things happen to me thank you jesus i give you the glory see that's a, that's the benefit of this speaking in tongues we are in the right place at the right time there's so many other benefits let's see some more let's see some more go with me to james chapter 1 sorry we'll look at jude chapter 1 there's only one chapter we'll go to james later jude verse 20 there's only one chapter verse 20 but you beloved building yourself up on your most holy faith praying in the holy spirit you it says you're building yourself up on your most holy faith praying in the holy spirit First of all we understood that we already have the faith of God. We have the faith of God in us. But now when you pray in tongues what is happening? The power of God is backing that faith. The power of God. It's like putting a a a um like a a big plane jet engine behind the car. behind the car putting a jet engine there the power of god you already have the faith of god you're putting the power of god to work that faith not by just human ability but the power of god you're backing it up 
in in first corinthians 14 verse 4 says first corinthians 14 4 says he who speaks in an unknown tongue edifies himself the word edify is an interesting word it's like charging your phone see your phone can be the latest phone it can have the best camera the best resolution screen the best video player the best torch everything the best so hundreds of features just in that one camera face recognition everything all those features are there the latest technology everything greatest but if there is no power all those features are useless if the battery is dead you can't do anything with it you cannot do anything with it so what do you do you connect to the source power source why so the power comes and there is a charging happening there is a charging happening what happens when you pray in tongues? the generator of heaven you're connecting to the generator of heaven and the same power that raised Christ from the dead now is just coming see you don't charge your phone only when you have to call no you say no I have to call somebody so I'm charging my phone no no you keep your phone charged all the time because you don't know when you have to call you don't know when you may have to receive the call yes or no so you are keeping it charged all the time you make sure that it is charged you always look at the power level and you make sure it is charged isn't it same way we need to be connected to the generator of heaven all the time to keep ourselves charged because you need to be in the right place at the right time you need to make the right choice you need to you need to meet the right person you need to make the right business deal you need to pray for the right person you need to share the gospel to the right person so you you can't afford not to have power so it is our responsibility to constantly be praying in tongues why so we are constantly charged we are constantly full of power we are always ready when the Holy Spirit says go pray for him you don't have to fast and pray say I will pray for two days and then I'll come and pray for him no you don't have to Paul said pray without ceasing how can you pray without ceasing you try praying for by your own understanding for some time after some time you run out of words you don't know uh, I prayed that same line five minutes back I'll pray the same line again after some time you run out of words Praise God. You run out of words after some time. How can you continue to pray by your own understanding? You get exhausted. You get exhausted. That's why when you pray in tongues, what is happening? You are connected to the generator of heaven. You are connected. You are constantly charging yourself. Why? So you are available anytime God wants you to. You are ready. God says, go pray for that person. God says, go, go there. There is a person lying there. Go meet this person. You're always ready. You're sensitive to the Holy Spirit. The power generator is inside you. The charge is full. The battery is full. So you are ready to be used. You have the faith of God. You have the love of God. You have the nature of God. You have the Holy Spirit of God. You have the wisdom of God. Everything is there inside you. But if the power is not there, so it's like the, the phone. All the features are there. If the battery is not charged, you can't use it. 
So what is it that will prompt you to go and be like Jesus? This power. That's why Jesus specifically said, don't go till you receive power. You cannot be a witness of me without this power. That's why all of us need this power. And it comes by praying in tongues. The more you pray in tongues, the more you are connected to that power. That power is there inside you. The power is a blessing for you and through you for others. Did you understand this? Did you understand this? There's the backing up. You have the faith of God. But what happens when you pray in tongues? It just, it's like a jet engine pushing you. The power enabling you to be there. You will suddenly understand. You will know. I have to pray. You will know when the power is gone. Just like Jesus perceived when the lady with the issue of blood, when she touched Jesus, Bible says Jesus understood that virtue went out of him. He was always full of power. When the power is going, you know. You know. And when you pray for someone, you know the miracle is happening. Even if nothing may happen right there in front of your eyes, you know. I know I prayed for you. I know the power is gone. You are healed. The power is gone. There is the, the power was there. The power is gone into you. You are healed. You can be sure. I've prayed for you. So you are not moved by circumstances. The faith that is inside you, the power backs it up. Because of the faith, you know, I pray for the sick, the sick shall be healed. Jesus said, I have the same faith as Jesus. When you pray in tongues, that power is there backing you up. That's why it says, Jude 1.20 said, you are building yourself up on your most holy faith. Why is it called most holy faith? Because it's the faith of God. Not our faith, it's the faith of Jesus himself. When you are born again, you receive the same faith of Jesus that's inside you. You are building yourself up. You are building yourself up. We understood when we studied faith that the faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. So you heard the word of God, you've built yourself up on the word of God, you've kept, you've heard it again, you spoke it. Now pray in tongues. Pray in tongues. Now what is happening? The faith is there. The word of God is pulling that faith out. Now power is backing it up. Power is backing it up. So you know, I've prayed, it is done. The power is there, it is done. So that power helps you. We need, this is for every single believer. There are a lot of advantages of praying in tongues. Lots. One thing I want you to see. Go with me to the book of Isaiah. Chapter 28, verse 11 and 12. Isaiah 28, verse 11 and 12. It says, For with the stammering lips and another tongue he will speak to his people, to whom he said, This is the rest which you may, which, which you may cause the weary to rest, and this is the refreshing, yet they would not hear. He said, with stammering lips and another tongue, he will speak to his people. And said, this is the rest and the refreshing. 
Sometimes when you're just tired, when you just don't know, oh, I'm so tired, I don't know if I'll be able to get up and go and do. Start speaking in tongues. Start speaking in tongues. It gives, what is happening? The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is now working in you. If that power can raise Jesus from the dead, can't it give life to your body? It is just working in you. The same power. It gives rest to your body. It refreshes you. It refreshes you. So, we are supposed to be praying in tongues all the time. So, you are constantly available for God. Yes, our body is limited. Our body is limited. After some time, you do all the work, everything. Your body feels exhausted. But sometimes God will say, just do this for me. So what do you do? You may feel God asking you to just do this. But your body is weak. Oh Lord, I'm so tired. I don't want to go. What do you do? You pray in tongues. Pray in tongues. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is just working in you. And you go, it enables you to do what God wants you to do. Did you get this? This is, this is, this is very important. That's why we are supposed to be praying in tongues all the time. When you're, you mean you can be praying anytime. This is how I say it. If you are not using your mouth to speak to somebody, if you are not using your mouth to eat or drink, if you are not using your, I mean, if you are not sleeping, then it's an opportunity to speak in tongues. It's an opportunity to speak in tongues. Any opportunity, any time where you are not eating or drinking or speaking to someone or sleeping is an opportunity to pray in tongues. So you can be praying in tongues when you are cooking, when driving, when you are just sitting. You can be praying in tongues. And it doesn't have to be loud. You can be speaking softly under your, under your voice. You can be praying. And what is happening? Power. Getting charged. You are edifying yourself. You are charging yourself. You are letting that power rise up in you. You are making yourself available to God. You are opening yourself to be in the right place at the right time. You are speaking the wisdom of God. By speaking it, you will have what you say. Hallelujah. Did you understand this today? I think our time is up. We'll pray. But I believe you understood this. With this, I'm closing on the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And next, next week, we'll go into the next topic. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, we praise you, we worship you. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that we are in a dispensation where you are upon us with power. We know you are in us, we know you are with us, and we know you are upon us with power. To be witnesses of the resurrected Christ. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. We will not neglect this gift. We will not neglect this promise of the Father. We thank you so much. We receive it, Father. And we will not neglect it, so we will speak in tongues. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We will not be hearers only, but we will be doers of the word of God. In Jesus' name, amen.